Welcome to Real Estate Business Explained. On this show, we share insights to what it really looks like to build a real estate business from the inside, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Sean, and as a coach and trainer, over the past 15 years, I've seen it all, and I wanna share what I've learned with you. So whether you're just getting started or you've already got a lot going on and you're just looking for something new, I'm confident there's gonna be something here for you. Let's get into it. Hey, I'm Sean, and welcome to today's episode of Real Estate Business Explained. Today, I wanna talk about setting goals, and I wanna look at it from the lens of how to actually make sure that you reach the goals that you set. Humans are naturally goal-driven creatures. Think about it. We wanted to stay warm. We learned to build houses. We, we wanted to make sure that we were able to eat. We discovered and created out, uh, agriculture. Throughout history, a lot of what we've done and achieved can be traced back to the fact that we had goals. We wanted things and we figured out a way to get them. It's what separates us from most of the other creatures on Earth. So with that, we know that this carries through today. And I think everyone has things that they want in their life or goals. They want to you know, have a, a certain retirement, they want to live in a certain home, they want to be able to provide for their family in a certain way. All of us have this. It's natural, it's healthy, and frankly, it's a good thing. But goals necessitate action. Like if you want something different than what you currently have, you've got to do something different than what you currently are doing. And one of the things that we find is that people tend to approach the way that they change the actions that they're taking in ways that sometimes aren't healthy or or aren't productive or could actually hurt them. And what I wanna talk about first is just two of the common things that I see people do when they approach this and frankly screw it up is they either make the changes in their activities or their actions, they make the changes either massive changes or sweeping changes. And I'll start just by explaining a little bit about how I see the difference between the two. So. First of all, massive changes would be where you massively change one thing. So a, a massive change in the activities that you're taking would be like the person who never exercises or goes to the gym saying, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna change the way that I, I exercise and what I've decided to do is I'm gonna go from absolutely nothing to I signed up for a marathon in two weeks, so I'm gonna run a 10K today and I'm gonna run another 10K tomorrow just to build up my endurance. Chances are it's not gonna go well. The, the real estate example is someone who waits until they have absolutely no clients because they've closed them or otherwise they've gotten, you know, they, they've run out of their pipeline. And then all of a sudden they say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend the next two weeks doing nothing but lead generation. And then they find a bunch of clients. Usually what happens though is they did so much lead generation, they get all these clients at once and they end up riding this roller coaster, right? It leads to this feast and famine thing. Um, so sweeping changes are a similar reaction that people have to not being where they want to be. But instead of making massive changes in just one area, this is where you change a whole bunch of stuff simultaneously. So the, uh, the health example that I'll use is someone who was previously not doing anything. And then all of a sudden they say, I want to get in better shape. So they change the way they eat, they quit drinking, they start going to bed at 7 p.m. and waking up at 4 in the morning, and they exercise seven days a week for two hours, and they eat nothing but egg white omelets with spinach in them. And you see people do this all the time. Think about New Year's, right? It's the beginning of the year, and all of a sudden, everyone's got new habits at the gym, and you come back two months later, and the gym's like a ghost town. It's like a totally different environment. So 
We see this all the time. And sweeping changes can be a challenge. And you know, for, you take the example of real estate, this, this would be where someone's not happy with their lead generation, so they decide to try five new lead generation techniques and they're going to apply new marketing to it and change their schedule and do it at different times of day. The problem with sweeping changes is it's really hard to know what's actually going on. It's confusing, it's chaotic, you're trying all this different stuff. And then, it, you know, even if great news, you do get the results that you wanted, even if that happens, how do you know what caused the results? You've changed five things. There's, there's no clear measurable that you can attribute something back towards. So either way, whether you make massive changes, I mean, they're prone, prone to failure. There tends to be a high likelihood that you'll, you might do it for a while, but you'll drop off later. And then finally, you could also break stuff or hurt yourself with massive changes. Um, or sweeping changes, there's this confusion. You don't know what's working and it's super messy. Either way, a lot of the time, the two main things that people are going to look at doing when they want to make changes in their lives is it, it's highly prone to failure, basically, if we just boil it all down. So me personally, like I'm an aviation geek. I absolutely love it. I got my pilot's license seven, eight years ago, and it's just, it's a passion of mine. And as you might imagine, when you get your pilot's license, one of the things that you have to do is learn a whole bunch about navigation. And I always find that navigation is an amazing analogy for business planning. And I see people all the time who want something, but they have no plan for how they're going to get it. They're just like, yeah, man, I'm building a team. I'm going to have this big business. I want to make a, a seven figure income, but they don't actually think through what the steps look like that they need to follow to get there. They just say they want it. And then lo and behold, nothing happens. So think about navigation. And in aviation, let's say you fuel up a plane, you, you put a couple pilots on it, but you don't give them a plan how to get where they're going. And you just say, you know what? I want to see you get from New York to London and good luck. There's fuel in the plane. And they just they push the throttle forward. They don't know where to steer and they go for it. I bet you out of a thousand times, they wouldn't even get there once. But if you give those same pilots the right amount of fuel and uh, the right trajectory to follow and they can follow the right beacons and they understand where they need to be and where they are at all times, they'll probably get there 999 times out of that same thousand because they have a map. So with that plan on how they're going to get there, what do they actually know? Most of us will hear this and, and we'll say like, okay, well, if I wanted to navigate, what would I need to know? I probably need to know where I, where I am and where I want to get. And that's a great start. You want to know where you are. You want to know where you want to get. Maybe you know what direction it is. So that's your plan. The thing that people don't realize is that in aviation, we're dealing with this one variable that tends to really bugger absolutely everything we do up. And this thing is the weather. There is a tremendous amount of knowledge that we've gained on how the weather works. And I can tell you from what I know of the weather, chances are we will never, ever be able to accurately predict the weather. There are so many variables. How hot the ground gets changes how fast the air rises. When air rises, it changes temperature and the humidity in it is forced out. So you never know where clouds are going to pop up. All we can say is 30% of the people in this area might have a cloud go over them today. And so maybe rain, right? Well, at altitude, 
the winds are impossible to predict. We know generally where they're likely to be moving, but they might be a little stronger than we thought or a little weaker than we thought or slightly in a different direction. So when you plan a cross-country flight, what you do is you know where you're going to start, you know where you're going, and you know the general direction, but then you have to adjust for the wind because the wind is constantly pushing you off course, okay? Well, we know what we think the wind's going to do, so we calculate the angle that we're going to fly, but then when you're mapping it out, what you actually do is you put something called drift lines. So if this was the route I was going to fly, I'm going to put lines on five degrees of either side going to where I'm heading and uh, back from where I'm heading. So I know when I miss, where I'm likely to end up. And then during the flight, you're constantly measuring. You're looking for, for waypoints on the ground. You're looking for where you might actually be. And when you see where you are, you make an adjustment and you change your bearings so that you get back on track to reach your goal. There's not a lot of room for error. Airports might seem big when you drive past them. They're tiny when you're flying over a country. So we gotta make sure we nail this. And if you have goals you wanna reach, well, you kinda need to make sure that you nail your approach to landing on your goals as well. So what do you do to measure and adjust when the weather in your life pushes you away from what you're trying to achieve? It's the same thing. You've got to have an idea of where you're going and how you're going to make adjustments. So here's the thing. I found for me in my life and when I coach people, the best results usually don't come from massive or sweeping changes. Usually the best results actually come from making small and consistent changes. So you think back to the analogy of New Year's, right? You go to the gym on January 3rd and everyone's got like a brand new outfit and they're sweating away and doing their thing and then you come back a month later and they're gone. Well, who says that January 1st is the only time that you should make a change? Why not just constantly be getting a little bit better? There are some huge advantages to this. First of all, you sh if, if you wait too long between course changes, things that are going wrong could get way off base. You think about the person who has no, uh, no deals in their pipeline, then they go crazy on lead generation. If they keep doing that, they're constantly gonna have a feast and famine experience, right? It also really helps you keep clarity on whether or not you're reaching your goals. If you're constantly taking measurements, making adjustments, and taking action, then you're gonna be in this loop. Take action, measure results, make changes. Take action, measure results, make changes. And if you hit the right rhythm with it, what happens is the changes you're making don't feel significant. You might be doing 10 calls a day and realize that you can hit your goals with 13 calls a day. Well, that's not that painful. If you built a muscle up that's comfortable doing 10 every day, who cares? 13 is gonna be a cakewalk. So the beauty is you just get started and you do something that you know you can commit to. And this is one of the real keys, is that a lot of the time, people, when they set goals, they do all this math and they figure out what they think they need to do, but they, they realize that what they need to do to reach their goal might be a little big and they just go for it. So I see people who say, I'm gonna speak to you know 150 people a day, and it completely wipes them out, they're drained, they hate it, where, Maybe if they just started with 30 or 40 every day and then added 10 every couple weeks, it wouldn't have felt so bad because they'd learn a little, they'd get into a rhythm with it, they'd, they'd get comfortable with it. So the trick is to start with something that you know you can commit to long term. And then over time, add a little bit. 
Um, I've, I've done this with things even like my diet. You know, you, you're eating a certain way and you realize that you're not getting the results you want. Okay, well, maybe I'll try adding a little protein or maybe I'll cut back on carbohydrates a little bit. It, with your business, I mean, this could be as simple as a little script or a dialogue or a reminder email that you send. The point is that you run things just long enough to get a good sample size. And then as soon as you have a good enough sample size that it's something that you feel isn't varied by, you know, one person's choice or three people having a bad Friday, then you can actually go and make a small change and measure it again. I like to think about making changes every 30 to 60 days, depending on the thing that you're working on. Like if it's your exercise or health, then that's going to be probably uh, a, a shorter time frame is fine. If it's something like lead generation, well, you know, probably 30 days is fine as well. So look at the amount of time that you have between these check-ins and just make sure that overall it's enough to get a good sample size, but that'll help you be on a bigger trajectory. Um, the way I like to look at this is if you make massive changes, well, by the definition of the fact that it's a change, it's saying that it's you stepping out of what, what you normally do. So it's, it's something different. Okay. Which is fine. Um, but the thing is, is that a massive change is a shift in how you're acting. You're doing something different. You're acting differently. Small changes become habits and your habits are what make you are, make you who you are. So the way that I look at it is if I'm constantly just improving my habits, that's not me changing the way I'm acting. That's me changing who I am. And this is where I think it gets really powerful is if you in your life are constantly making small changes to improve the way that you behave, the, the habits that you have, that means you're changing who you are. You're changing the identity of who you are. And to me, that means it's a lot more likely that it's going to stick. It's a lot more likely that it's something that you will make part of, of you. It'll be ingrained in you. And frankly, it makes it a lot more pleasant. I, I love making small changes constantly to improve myself, my life, the way that I live, my, my family, the little things that I'm constantly doing are a big part of what brings me joy. When I've tried in the past to make massive changes, I just find that it leads to burnout. It's something that I, I try for a while and it's, uh, it's really unpleasant in the beginning. It tends to get uh, like it bears down on you over time because it's not something that's in your comfort zone. And then for me, a lot of the time, I didn't feel like it was the way I wanted to live in the long run. So I ended up changing it anyways. Whereas the amount of certain things like lead generation or exercise or, or um, uh, my diet, like things like that, the amount I've changed over time, if I had tried to go straight to the way that I am right now, I wouldn't have enjoyed it either, but I've completely moved the needle on the way that I interact and behave because I did it slowly over time. And the results are exceptional because I'm not trying to do something in a feast or famine kind of mentality. I'm going at it with a long-term, this is what I wanna do for the next decades, not the next 90 days. I'm not doing a sprint. This is my life, this is who I am, and this is how I'm living. So what I want you to ask yourself is, what little thing could you change that would have a massive impact? 
it might be as simple as getting up 20 minutes earlier every day or making sure that you protect a little bit of time to to reflect in the evening before you go to bed it could just be those extra three conversations that you need to have every day which will completely shift your results or maybe you're doing a ton of conversations but you're only getting to it every couple couple days or every couple weeks because you've made this overbearing commitment that it's so big, it's really easy for you to say, well, I don't have time to do that today, I'll have to do it later, and you never get to it. So what would it look like if maybe you lowered your commitment to something that you could do every single day, and you put that momentum in your business, in your life, and frankly, took the stress and the discomfort out of the thing that you overcommitted to and get better results over time? I'd love to hear what you think. So I appreciate you watching. It's something that I, absolutely love and I'm falling in love with things that I never thought I would absolutely adore because I started small and I made them more about a, a slow um, a, a slow romance with me bringing them into my lives my life than something huge that I forced myself into really quickly because I thought I should do it and I'm glad to say that I love all the things I do on a daily basis. There's nothing I do that I feel like I have to do or I'm forced to do because I've just built my life that way through slowly finding what brings me pleasure and making it something that I structure little bits of and I constantly add more and more. So I hope that you consider this. I hope that you make some small change and, and make it a consistent act that you're always pursuing improvement and as always, I'm so grateful for you taking the time to spend with you today. This was a quick one, and I'm looking forward to dropping the next one. I'll talk to you soon.